Saturdays ago where uh, Amy and I had started a prayer time. And in fact, we've been doing this through last year, from time to time, we'd come up here on a Saturday night and we'd pray for Sunday services, you know? So we'll turn on the music and we'll just walk around and pray. And we've been doing that kind of off and on for a while, but this January, we kind of made it consistent. We just said, we're gonna do this every single Saturday night. And um, so it was a few Saturday nights ago and, and different people are joining us. If you wanna join us, we welcome you to join us for Saturday night prayer. And uh, it's, it's, it's walking around, it's asking God to pour out his spirit and do whatever he wants to do, not just in our services, but in our lives and in our city. And, and so if you wanna come and pray for an hour, that's awesome. But I was there and I, 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 we, we'd, we'd finished everything and we'd finished praying together and I, everybody left and um, I was going around and <laughs> turning off the lights and you know, making sure the back door was locked and every, all the doors were locked. And as I was walking around and, and doing all that stuff, I heard, um, I heard God say something to me and he said, why don't you stay a while? And I, um, and you know, it was like, I had this brief war in my, in my soul where like, Jesus, I got a bowl of cereal waiting for me at home. <laughs> uh, and I gotta get up early and speak tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't much of an argument. And I, <clears throat> I just heard him, why don't, you, why don't you stay for a little while? Why don't you just hang it with me? And so I did. And it was like this, uh, this very, tender and wonderful uh, time where he's just wanted me to be with him. And he didn't say much of anything special to me except, you know, he loved me and, you know, all the normal stuff. <laughs> Turns out the normal stuff is the stuff. But just he wanted me to be with him and he wanted to be with me. And I think that's true of every one of you. He wants to be with you. That's his desire. And you know, that's why we've been turning our services upside down since January 8th and coming to this moment where uh, we're gonna be more responsive, where we're gonna get we're gonna take off our holy glasses. Everybody take off your holy glasses, put them to the side. Everybody take off your religious glasses, put them to the side. You got, it's, it's like we wanna see God in a new way and we want to experience him and we wanna be awakened to what he's doing and what he's saying in our time and in our, this season of the life of our church. And so we started doing that and it's, it's been really good. Like each Sunday I just sense, and I hear the stories. I'm hearing the stories about people encountering God in a way that's changing their perspective. I ended up <clears throat> with a brand new group of 12 guys on Tuesday afternoon at 4.30 that showed up here on Valentine's Day for a men's group uh, Tuesday afternoon. And I can just see it. I can see the hunger. I can see that God is stirring up something in our church. And so I, I've so appreciated that. And this has been what 
we've prayed about. This is we, we, like our team, and we've been talking about this for several months, just turning into this new year and saying, okay, no more business as usual. We gotta, we gotta go a little further. <clears throat> and so, so then uh, we planned to not do 21 days of prayer right at the first of the year because honestly, slowing down is part of our problem. Your problem, my problem. And I don't know if you remember this, but at the beginning of the year, I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to slow down. I want you to look up. Slow down and look up. And then I said, find your people. Find your people and pray. And lots of people are finding their people and praying. And we decided we were going to cooperate with the historical church calendar, which kicks off this Wednesday night, and it's something called Lent. Okay, Lent doesn't have any significant religious meaning. It, it actually means lengthen. If you look at the meaning of the word, Lent means lengthen, and all it means is spring. The days are lengthening. And it was slang. It was a short-cut slang term that the church used in the early days of the church to just say this is a Lent season, and we're going we're gonna to consecrate ourselves and have 40 days to, uh, to Easter. <clears throat> now, I'm going to talk about more about this on Wednesday night, just a little bit more. I'm going to give you a little bit more insight on what that is. Some of you are freaked out by me even mentioning the word Lent right now uh, because, <clears throat> because you have a, a whole history of Catholicism and some things that attach themselves to things over the, over the centuries that are not of God at all. I promise you, Fat Tuesday is not in the Bible. Okay, you, you, you get it? Okay, so, but just like, just like humans do, they attach things to what God is doing. And then you gotta find ways to detach those things sometimes, which I sort of feel like we're in that season of our church. We're detaching from some things that we've kind of done before and we're, we're allowing God to give us new direction and new insight, but it's not really anything that new. Right? We're, just, we're just recapturing what God intends, which humans have to do from time to time. And God breaks through and there's a powerful thing happening. Um, on Wednesday, I'll talk a little bit about it, but it could, I, I, there is reason to believe that the actual apostles, the disciples of Jesus, practiced this 40 days to Easter. Uh, this 40 days to Easter consecrating um, Movement. There was, a, there was a willingness to be like Jesus. Think about it. Jesus prayed and fasted 40 days after his baptism, and it just became this practice to, to become more like Jesus. So today, we're about to enter into 40 days to Easter, a, a journey of prayer and consecration. And the reason that we're doing it this way is because I didn't want to do the sprint. I don't want to run at the beginning of the year for 21 days and not integrate prayer into our lives over a long period of time. 40 days is a long time. And it's, it's a ways, it's enough to absorb a new habit. Uh, most people say you gotta have 66 or 90. Um, AA always says if you can get, stay clean for 90 days, your odds of staying clean for the future go way up. Okay, so, so 40 days is a long time, but it's, I mean, what we're talking about is a, a life-changing journey here in our church for the next 
uh, 40 days and beyond. We want it to go beyond. So I just want to run through the, I, I just want you to run through the heartbeat of this and I want you to run through the schedule of it. So look at the screen. There's, here's the schedule. February 22nd, we kick off with Ash Wednesday worship and we're going to have communion that night. We're going to come and we're going to worship God and we're going to come and recognize uh, that, that uh, we are made of dust and God knows that and the only way that we become full of life is if God fills us with his life. And we're just gonna recognize that. We're, gonna, we're, just gonna, we're just gonna acknowledge that. We're gonna worship God together. It's gonna be a really sweet time. And then we want you to do three things. Everybody hold up three fingers. Come on, three, hold them up, hold them up. <laughs> this feels a little bit like Hunger Games. Okay, turn, get, take them down. Um, we are, <laughs> we, it's gonna be a type of Hunger Games, that's for sure, because because the first thing I want you to do is, I, 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 there's three things. I want you to look up, I want you to look in, and I want you to look out. I want you to look up, I want you to, to look within, and I want you to reach out during these 40 days. And so here's what it looks like. I want you to pray every day and with others. Pray every day and with others. Our goal is that you'd, you'd spend five minutes a day, three times a day, and just acknowledge God in your day, morning, noon, and night. Do something. Now, as part of that, we're gonna help we're gonna help you with the morning thing and we're gonna, we're gonna have a, a Zoom room prayer meeting every day at 6.30, Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday, a Zoom prayer room that we're gonna all join together. Now look, this is the first time we've done this in the life of the church. For a lot of times we would do 6.30 a.m. or six o'clock a.m. prayer and about 20% of the church would participate, maybe 25 because it was just unavailable or, or not a thing that people would do or could do with traffic and kids and blah, blah, blah. It's just part of it, part of the deal. But I always believed in it because it's a remnant of people praying. And people would pray from home and it's awesome. But this is the first time what's gonna happen is we're going to get everybody in our church across all campuses and we're gonna join together on, uh, on the, in the morning hour that we're gonna spend about a half hour at 6.30 to seven and we're gonna agree together for God to do something powerful in our lives. We're gonna pray for an awakening together. We're gonna pray for one another. We're gonna break out, Zoom has breakout rooms. We're gonna break out into different prayer rooms from time to time. We're, gonna, we're going to agree. Do you know the power of agreement is something that people don't think about with prayer, but it is the most powerful thing Jesus gave us that has to do with prayer. It is when you agree with someone else and you agree with God, Prayer is agreeing with God and agreeing with someone else. And when you do that, something powerful happens. God gave us an authority in that agreement. Look it up. It's Matthew 18. And so, so I want you to join us for that. And so, some of you are like, oh, Zoom, that is so lame. And yet when your boss tells you to do it, you do it. Thank you. We're also gonna have a 40-day prayer journal that you can follow for yourself. So we'll, we're gonna hand that out on Wednesday night, okay? Um, a 40-day prayer journal, and we've designed it for a, a, a moment of meditation and, and a moment of you, for you to use a scripture and to focus our attention together. And so then the second thing we wanna do is we want people to look inward, and they, I want them to assess what God is doing, and I want you to I want you to fast. I want you to choose something that you're going to fast. If you're not a f a familiar with fasting, it is going without food 
for, or, uh, for a period of time during the day or for a period of time across a few weeks or choosing to go without something. Food is kind of the primary thing, but you can fast media, you can fast some other things, you can, you, you can any activity that keeps you from Jesus, that keeps you distracted from Jesus, take that out of your schedule and fast instead. And I want you to commit to a fasting schedule for this season, because here's, here's how it works. If you commit before you start the fast, you'll, stay, you'll stick to it. But if you wait till you start fasting to commit to it, you'll change the rules. That's from a lot of experience right there. We're gonna have uh, fasting materials at onechapel.com slash prayer. You can go check that out, onechapel.com slash prayer. And, um, and I think this is a season for fasting. I think this is a season for becoming hungry for what God wants to do. And I'm gonna talk about that here in just a second. And then I, uh, number three is I want you to look out. I want you to reach out. I want us to contend for our community in prayer. I want us to prayer walk our neighborhoods. I want us to prayer walk our communities. I want you to go out at night before you go to bed and just pray. Just walk around the neighborhood. It'll be good for your body. It'll be good for your soul and your spirit. And so I want us to do things that reach out. Go with a friend, a family member. All of you that are, how many of you belong to a small group that you go to every week? Come on, raise your hand. Ooh, that's really good. Good job, you guys. Um, this is the secret to life change, is being part of a small group. And you can find, it, find your group at onechapel.com, but listen, all of you that are involved in a group, you gotta, when you meet people, you invite them to your group. I want you to pray in your group. I want you to contend for your community in your group. I want you to record what, what uh, streets you walked and prayed for, and we're gonna try to accumulate them and, uh, on a map and figure out how to keep covering the city. So I want you to do this, and part of this thing is, you know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel on this. There are great ministries happening within our city, organizations that are doing great work, and what we need to do is we need to partner with them. That's why next week we're gonna have something called Mission Sunday. And Mission Sunday, we're gonna, we're gonna have all these organizations come to our church at every campus, different organizations in different regions, and they're gonna come, and you know what their, their problem is? Number one problem that most ministries have or most organizations have, they have some money and they have some materials, they need volunteers. And one of the things that you and I need to do is we need to activate, everybody say it, activate you got to activate yourself you got to do something out of faith that's what fasting is you're activating your faith god i'm so hungry for you i'm going to go without these cheeseburgers also good for your body and good for your spirit but listen this is an important sunday i want you to come next sunday and i want you to i want you to meet some people that are doing great work in our city we're going to we're going to host that day and we're going to create opportunity for you to meet them and I want every group leader, every group host, to think about how to mobilize your group. We got to, we've got to activate in a way, because when we activate in faith, there's something that God comes and does beyond us, beyond, beyond our work. And isn't that what we want? Don't we want God to do something beyond what we can do? Yes. I want to get in touch with that. And then we'll end with a Good Friday service at 7 p.m. right here at the Austin campus all together. And then, um, and then we'll have Easter Sunday on the 9th of April 9th, okay? So do you understand what we're doing here? We're taking the next 40 days and we're saying, God, would you do something in my life? 
Would you change the circumstances around me? Would you, get, would you help me break through? And this is the question. What, what do you need God to break through in your life? What do you need him to break into your life with? What does that look like? I want you to think about that and I want you to seek him every day and I want us to pray for an awakening not only in our, in our church but in our city and the churches around our city. Our city needs Jesus, you guys. He's the only solution and we can't act as if it's just um, kind of business as usual. We, uh, there's, there's crazy things going on and people need Jesus so and I think God is moving. Which, which, we're, we're all reminded of by looking at the Asbury revival. I don't know if it's a revival or if it's, it's, it's more of an awakening, I believe. Um, but a 12-day prayer meeting, a 14-day prayer meeting that never ends is pretty amazing. Now, here's what, I, here's what I read it as. God is saying the same thing to lots of people. What I like to say is when the Holy Spirit speaks, lots of people hear it. And I think he's saying things to people around our nation. And there's places where he's breaking through. I think that's one of them. In that little university. And did you know that that university is actually a place where God keeps breaking through over and over again? You can look back hundreds of years and you'll see Asbury revivals. And I don't know if that has to do with... Charles Wesley or, or the Wesley brothers or, 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 or uh, John and Charles Wesley's mom who used to pull her apron up over her head because she had 11 kids and she would pull the, ap- the kitchen apron up over her head so don't bother me and she would pray. That was the only privacy she could get. I don't know how God answers these prayers but I know he does. Jeremiah 6.16 is on my heart. This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. I think we have to realize that God is always interested in renewal and in awakening and in revival. He's always interested in it. And I don't need to do what is happening in Asbury for that to be true here. But I can hear the heartbeat of God and we can hear the heartbeat of God and ask him to do something in our day, in our time that is so powerful, that is so unique. And I think we're at a crossroads with our church. We're at a crossroads with our culture. And it's time to stop and say, we're at a crossroads. Ask what the good way is and walk in it and let God give you rest. Habakkuk 3.2 says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. I love, this, I love this idea. God wants to repeat the greatest things he's ever done in our day. Are you willing to believe with me for that? I think we need it. I don't think there's any way we can make it without that. I'm gonna read you a, a little I just, want, I just want you to get these three things and then I'm gonna ask Pastor Bill to come up and he's gonna share a little bit about his experience at Asbury because I think it's informative and I think we can, we can learn from it. But I want, you to, I want you to see that fasting is what we're, kinda, we're gonna exercise. 
in the scriptures, you see over and over again, and I'll start talking about this as we go forward, but you see the powerful move of God, and then you see practices that start to emerge so that that power remains. If you only have practices and no power, you get into legalism and weird stuff. If you have just power and no practices, it's just kind of random and wild, and it loses its fire. But I think you have to have both, and I think you see it in both, and I'll talk about that later. Fasting is a practice that we want to, that we want to call on God for his power. And, um, and the question is, why do we fast? And I want to answer that in three short, questions, three short answers. Why do we fast with God? Well, number one, we cultivate a hunger for God. We cultivate a hunger for God. Jesus told his disciples, I have food that you know nothing about. And it was doing the will of his father. Manna, do you know what manna is? Say the word manna. Manna Manna is in the Old Testament and it was God providing for his people. But think about what it was. It was something that was not created by this earth. It was not an earthly creation. It was supernatural and it was created by God's word. Just like the planets and the stars were flung into space by the word of his mouth when he said, let there be light. Listen, the power of God's word is so strong, which is why Jesus said, "Man, when he was tempted by the devil, he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Fasting is asking God to speak to us in a different way and getting a bunch of stuff out of the way so we can hear him. Now, the problem is, number two, the reason we fast is for, for spiritual and physical discipline. We are disciplining our flesh. We're saying no to my fleshly appetites. Some of you are like, well, Pastor Ross, doesn't that hurt? (laughs) Yes, it can be quite painful. It can be quite difficult to say no to your appetites. Jesus told his disciples, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So fasting exercises these muscles And the muscle is the will to say no to the flesh. But I don't believe you can do it on your own willpower. I think you have to have God's spirit empowering you to say, no, I'm I'm more hungry for you than I am for food. So that when you smell that neighbor barbecuing during these 40 days, and you're like, you're on your sixth day or something, and you're just like, I gotta have some food, and you're like, you can smell it, it's braised ribs on his barbecue, and it's wafting over the fence into your nostrils, and you're like, oh, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus, I love braised ribs, you know that I love it, you know I love it so much. But I'm here to tell you, that I am more hungry for you. I'm more hungry for your spirit. I'm more hungry for what you have for me, for your word, than I am any food. And it takes God's spirit to say that. It takes power from God to do that. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2 says, therefore since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Oh, there it is. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Fasting is a sort of self-induced suffering in a weird way, right? 
but you, but, you, but you hold back on your appetite so that your appetite for God can grow greater. Now, when you first start fasting, um, your body gets real loud. Starts to scream at you. But pretty soon, you quiet your body, and the Spirit's voice begets, becomes louder. And that's what we want. Luke 5, 33 to 39 says, they said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. And Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days they will fast. So Jesus said, we're gonna fast. He told them this parable. And listen, everywhere where he's asked about fasting in the gospels, everywhere Jesus is asked about fasting, he tells this story right here. Ready? He says, no one tears a piece of cloth of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskin will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins and no one after drinking old wine wants the new for they say the old is better. Now, I believe what Jesus is saying here is when you fast, you're preparing for something new. That's the third thing. When you fast, you're preparing for something new. You fast in order to prepare for something new. New wine being poured into a new wineskin was a violent chemical transformation that was happening inside that wineskin that would burst if it was an old wineskin that was too stiff, too rigid. It had to be new in order to stretch. That's how it works. This chemical reaction begins to expand it. And in order to grow, you had to have a new wineskin. Now, that's what you and I are fasting for. God, make us new. Give us a new wineskin for you to pour new wine into. Whatever you're doing that's new, we want to be able to hold it and receive it but you're gonna have to stretch, you're gonna have to expand, you're gonna have to grow. That's God's design and desire for you and for me. See, we think that we must do things to grow and there certainly are actions that we make, these practices that we're talking about, but really what we're talking about is the initial thing that happens to us is God transforms us from the inside out. So we don't do as much as we become. We don't do things for God to make stuff happen. Listen, we are not fasting to get God to do stuff. He's already willing. <laughs> he's already willing. We're fasting to get ourselves in line with what he's doing. Amen. Right? So, so we don't do to become spiritual. We become spiritual by a new creation, by a miracle of, of God's spirit inside of us. We become new in this way. And, what, and then what happens? Oh, God's prepared all these good works for us to do now that we're made in his image. But how do you get made in his image? I think you've got a hunger for him. Pastor Bill, would you come up? And, um, and the band, you can come up too. And we're just gonna talk for a few moments and then we'll spend the rest of the, of the time uh, worshiping together. Um, and Pastor Bill went through, um, he just felt stirred and I'll let him tell the story to go to Asbury this last week and he, and he sat there in that, uh, in that auditorium. Let's make sure it's on and, uh, and uh, just share with us kind of what God did uh, with you and what he said to you. 
Come on over. Well, I'm going to have to share in a hurry because I've got to go eat ribs. Yeah. <laughs> I'd always preach and make everybody hungry. My wife would say, hurry up and stop. You know. <laughs> hey, well, my wife um, says the same thing. Uh, you do that same yeah. thing? Hey, how many would like to have a touch from the Lord this morning? Yeah. Raise your hand if you're ready. Yeah. Amen. Well, I've got a little story to tell you. Um, it was been an amazing journey in my life the last couple of months. Ever since the first of the year, when Ross began to talk about uh, realigning our hearts to worship. And um, the journey to Ashbury uh, really began for me many years ago. I mean, in 1970, we, we were saved and I began to preach. It's been 53 years ago. And part of the Jesus movement back in those days was the story of Ashbury University and the ongoing prayer meeting that went on for six or seven days there. And the students were so anointed by the Lord, they went out all over the country. And most uh, historians credit that to be the impetus to really jumpstart the Jesus movement, which was an incredible time and season in the history of America. And some of you are old enough to remember it. Some of you have heard about it, but it was phenomenal. We had people out of the counterculture, what they were called hippies back then. Uh, actually, at one time, I preached with a beard and a uh, dashiki and uh, had a Volkswagen van, and we would drive to Los Angeles. I'd have like six or seven hippies in there. I was 25 years old, and I was the oldest one in the church, and I'm the only one who had a job. And... Uh, so we had more money. We'd get a can of, big can of peanut butter and a loaf of bread. We'd drive nonstop to Los Angeles. And so I saw all that stuff, baptizing in the ocean, singing uh, around campfires in La Jolla. It was an amazing time. And we went from 1972 to 1979, had five services a week, 100% attendance. That's how much hunger was in the people. Well, on February the 5th, here at Sunday morning, I came to the altar. And the last three years for, for myself has been, you know, it's been a challenge in a way because I was pastor for almost 50 years. And so all of a sudden you lose that identity. And I didn't realize how much I needed to get my heart right with God. Because sometimes when you pastor, you kind of let that just kind of, you kind of assume that your heart's right with God. But the last couple of months, the Lord's been dealing deeply within me. And it's not because I've picked up a few extra sins. Uh, don't ask my wife. She'll probably say I have. But uh, it's because I felt there was a need in my heart to get closer to him. I have to tell you, over the last 53 years, I've had some incredible encounters with God. I've seen things that angels, you know, it, it would tell you about. It's just phenomenal. And but I can't rest upon that. I have to see how, how am I with God today? And so when the worship started going to the end of the message, and I really thank you for doing that, it would really open my heart up because it gave me more of an opportunity to come and present myself to the Lord. You know, everything that we do in order to go to the next step is not about what we do other than just positioning ourselves in the place where God can do what he wants to do. He wants to do a lot more than what we even know. Yeah, that's right. 
And the Lord told me back in 2019, uh, I'm going to show you great and mighty things that you know not of. The next week I met Ross Parsley. <laughs> Hallelujah. So February the 5th, I came to the front and I just began to cry and weep. And I, I was, all of us saying, said, Jesus, I need you more. Cleanse me, Lord. It's like David prayed, Lord, cleanse me. Purge me with hyssop. Take any wicked thing out of my life. And I found that my life was too much pride, uh, insecurity, a lot of things that God just, it was like, I used to say this and it's kind of a crude illustration, like a rotor rooter of your heart. <laughs> Where the Lord just gets down in there and just is like squeezes. See, after that words, it says, after the discipline of the father, it hurts for a season, but afterwards it'll reap the peaceable fruit of righteousness. This morning, I'm going to pray that all of us will let the veil down and say, Lord, have your way in my life. And so that happened on February the 5th. And then February the 8th was when the Asbury renewal started. It all started at a chapel service. They have chapel there three times a week. And a young man got up and began to confess his faults. And they said, they said the spirit of the Lord just filled that chapel. Oh. Put up on this scripture, uh, Acts, one book of Acts, would you please? No, that's not the one. It's the next, next verse, isn't it? I think we missed the scripture, but let me read it to you. It's in the book of Acts, it says repent. If you repent, something very special happens. Acts 4, 19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. So the times of refreshings may come from the Lord that he may send Jesus Christ who has preached you before. When you present yourself with a heart of repentance and it's, you're really letting God in, there'll be a spirit of refreshing that will come from the Lord. I sense this morning God wants to bring a spirit of refreshing to the house. How many feel that? And so I heard about the revival this year and on Thursday, and the minute I read and saw, I was like I was being bathed in liquid love. <laughs> Ross was kidding me about that terminology. I mean, I would just get swamped. The presence of God would come all over me, and it was like incredible. And I went to Liberty Hill last Sunday and talked a little bit about this. And then I, Sunday night, I'm thinking, I've got to go. And I knew that I was gonna have an obstacle with my wife because she thinks that I can't go by myself anymore. I'm getting too old, <laughs> amen. You'll, you'll understand that guys when you get older. 
And uh, so I prayed, Lord, if I'm to go, I'm not, I want to stay in uh, Wilmore, Kentucky, where the school is, and not have to drive in from Lexington. And so I don't think I can get a room. But I went on and I checked, and I found a room at the Asbury Inn and Suites, which is actually on the seminary grounds, which is right across from the university. And they had a suite, executive suite, for $109 a night. It's not Austin. <laughs> and so I booked the room, booked the flight, booked the rental car. Then I told my, went and told my wife, Sue, would it be okay if I went to Kentucky? <laughs> I knew if I, if I hadn't already booked it, she would talk me out of it. And so um, uh, the glory just kept coming over me. And, my, and I just started weeping. Just during, during the day, I'd just break out weeping. And I thought maybe Sue, Sue had transferred the female spirit to me or something. I was just uh, <laughs> weeping. And so I fly into Lexington, Kentucky on Tuesday night. I get to the hotel at eight o'clock and I think, well, I'll, I'll run over and go in. And well, I ran over and there was over a thousand people in line and this is eight o'clock at night. And then I see a thunderstorm. So I said, I'm just going to go to bed. <laughs> so I came back Wednesday and, and got over to the chapel. And let me tell you folks, it's the most incredible thing that I've ever witnessed the thousands of people poured into that little community of 6,600 people to get into a 1,500-seat Hughes Auditorium along with, then they opened up three other chapels. Last night at 8 o'clock, there were over 5,000 people gathered on the lawn in front of Hughes Chapel. And the, they had 1,500 people inside. They had to literally shut the town down last night and not let more people come in because it had overwhelmed that city of 6,600. Incredible hunger. It's in the air. And so I, I made it over there Wednesday and, I, and as I'm walking to the chapel, I can just feel the presence of God. And let me tell you this, what I experienced this week is the, the highlight of my whole Christian life because I had never experienced the hunger in God's people the way I saw there. And so I finally made it into the chapel. And as I came through the door, they're worshiping the voices to the Lord. And I begin to cry. And I get in my chair and I begin to tremble. And, and, I, and, I, and I just said, Lord, thank you that these old eyes could see this. And it made me realize right then there was hope for our nation. Because i be honest with you, the last two or three years, I've been pretty despaired over what I've seen happening, especially the warfare that's come against our young people, the perversion and the deception that's been rampant, people calling evil good and good evil. And but yet you can't debate people. You can't argue them out of that position because they've been indoctrinated by the, by the spirits that have been sent against them. But when Jesus Christ comes, when he arises in our midst, he can break the yoke of the devil. Amen. 
And so I'm, I'm just weeping there. And, and it was the most precious time. And I stayed about four hours. And I didn't want to leave. I was going to stay till midnight. And they said, listen, if you came in here and God met you, there's thousands of people who want to still get in. And if you feel like you should leave, give your seat up and let someone else come in. So I reluctantly did that because I felt, well, God's already touched me. I felt, in fact, after I'd been there 30 seconds, I could go home. I mean, I was, I got ready to go home. I was ready to come back to you guys. And so the next day I went and uh, it was even more powerful. And as I was standing in line uh, to get in, there was a group of 10 teenage girls right behind me. They, they were probably 16, 17 years old and they just began to worship. Uh, so I'm just crying. And uh, say, Lord, thank you so much. Finally made it back in. And uh, so I got in and we worshiped. And so I, I made my way to the altar. I didn't go the day before. I got to the altar and knelt before the Lord. And I, and I, and I, I began to let God just pour into my spirit to cleanse me even deeper than what it had been. And I began to weep. went back to my chair. After a while, I went and looked out the window and there was a line a quarter of a mile long. I said, well, I should go and let someone else come in. So I walked back in the sanctuary, walked right back down to the altar again, one last time. Walked, turned around and walked slowly down the aisle till I got to the back door and then I turned and looked. And I said, Lord, this is holy ground. This is where I wanna live. I want this, Lord, in my life. I want you to be holy in my life. And they had a, they had a, over the altar they had in the back, they had a holiness unto the Lord. And the impression I got was, was love and holiness. Love and holiness. And how he wants to invade, invade our churches and our colleges. He's so longing for us to open the door and to let him come in. In the book of Isaiah, put that up. It says that there'll be times of refreshing that will come from the Lord. See the refreshings on the screen up there? <laughs> okay. For I will pour out water on him who's thirsty. How many are thirsty this morning? Are you really thirsty? Are you really desperate? And floods on the dry ground, I will pour out my spirit upon your descendants and my blessings upon your offspring. Lord, give us that visitation. Come once again, Lord Jesus, to the house of the Lord. Thank you, Ross, for your stewardship and how you've stirred us to this place simply to prepare the place where God can visit.